0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Welcome and good morning. Um, Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, for this day we give you um, great and humble thanks uh, this is the day that you have made. Um, would you pray that we would rejoice and be glad for the goodness of your um, mercy and your grace given to us uh, new each morning. I'll open your word to us now as we go back to Genesis, back to where we started, so to speak. Um, pray that the word would be living and active um, and that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Well, good morning. Um, short little series. Come on in, everybody, if you want to. Um, I can squeeze past. A uh, short little series here, just kind of a, a transition series for the summer in Genesis is I didn't know Deborah was going to preach on it. Didn't even know it was in the lectionary queue. Um uh, going to do three parts of Genesis. We're going to look at parts of Genesis one through four this morning, especially Cain and Abel. We'll look at some some pictures, some art of Cain and Abel. Um, uh, famous story. Um, next week we will look at uh, one of the most disturbing um, stories in Genesis, the, the sacrifice, or the almost sacrifice um, of Isaac. Uh, and then uh, I'll be out the following week, but then I think it's the 13th of August. We'll look at um, Jacob wrestling the angel crossing the Jabbok River. and So just some stories that I love, and fun to get in there and kind of pull them apart and dig a little bit and see where it goes. Um, but this morning, looking at Cain and Abel, as I mentioned. Uh, before we can do that, if you have a Bible, I'm been bringing you out um, on your phone or whatever else. Uh, feel free to pull those up. Looking at Genesis 1. Um, very familiar words here at the beginning. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Then we'll look a little bit at Genesis 3. And then we'll look um, specifically at Cain and Abel. Um, so why don't we just dive in, shall we? Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Genesis uh, speaks this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So, famous words, probably words that all of us know to some degree or another, at least the beginning. In the beginning, um, God created the heavens and the earth. But just to pull a few words into this, a few thoughts, um, because uh, as I was thinking about this this week, the story of Cain and Abel really has a lot to say about some of the words that are here, where darkness is hovering over the face of the deep, it'll be Cain's face that we'll see in just a few moments, where darkness returns to Cain's face, um, where darkness, the literal sort of echo, that we come back here to that place where it's formless and void, a godless, desolate place as the first made man. There was Adam, and then the uh, Lord caused deep sleep, and out of Adam's side comes Eve, and then they ate the apple, and then... uh, As they were banished east of Eden and forbidden to return back, they yet went out, were fruitful and multiplied. And the firstborn son, Cain, the first one with a belly button, you might say, um, comes out and echoes back to the very beginning of this word of creation. In the beginning, God created. This is Elohim, if you follow sort of the words. Later it's going to be Yahweh, but right now it's Elohim, just the creating God. And then God created. It's a special word um, uh, where later he makes, um, where humans might make something. The word here is unique only to God. God is the only one who can create. We can make something from that which God has already created, but none of us. We might be potters, we might be painters, we might create something out of wood, but none of us can make the tree. None of us can create the dirt. None of us can create the um, the skins upon which we paint. Um, and so God alone is given the special verb create. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The pregnant passage, one of my favorites, it's very poetic. Um, Uh, And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's this sense, the surface, the face, that part of us which um, uh, can resonate with um, what we see and what we know. All that is an echo here. Luther pulled in here as he's going to have this with Cain, kind of setting up Cain and Abel in some ways is all I'm trying to do here. He had a word about this word, this word which creates by the very... Um, on its very nature, the efficacious word, he would call it, where God said, let there be light. And as God creates, that's how he creates, is by his word. He says, without this word, without this particular word, the world is nothing but death and darkness. I'm going to have that echo again with Cain, the first created, that, uh, uh, that in the beginning there was death and darkness, but God in his gracious act, his sheer graciousness, of creating, creating from nothing. It's hard for us to imagine creating from nothing. As artistic as any of us might be, we don't create from nothing. We create from something. We go to Hobby Lobby and buy whatever it is that we're going to buy in order to create, in order to make. But God makes, God creates absolutely from nothing. And without that word, that creative word, um, the world, the cosmos, being itself, is death and darkness. It's pregnant, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of tension here. Just to really pull us back to where we peer in, so to speak, and it should create this awe, this fear, this mixture of wonder, awe, fear, praise, whatever word you can, can put in here, I don't think there's too much to really get this sense of, of what it means For the Lord to create ex nihilo, from nothing, Um, but by his sheer gracious word, his sheer gracious creation, he speaks and there is. So, that's it. Without this word, death and darkness, with this word, we would call this grace, a gracious word. Um, There is something. We don't know what that something is yet, but there is something. Any, Any questions there? Any thoughts? Just trying to get us, trying to bridge in some ways to, to, um, to Cain and Abel, so we can look at some of the, the art, There's some fun art this morning. Questions? Then turn, in your screens, if you have it, over to Genesis three, the um, fall. We're not going to look at the whole thing, but, but, uh, but echoing again a little bit. Um, This has been said many times in many different ways, and I think it's true. The root of any heresy, heresy is actually a hard thing to define. Um, let's just kind of leave it at that. Um, the root of any heresy is an adequate view of sin. You can't spend too much time appreciating the depth and the consequence of sin, what we sometimes call the fall. Um, uh, here's the story. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So before it was Elohim and now it's Jehovah Elohim or becoming Yahweh, which has to do with just the uh, the relational God. that God is establishing himself in relation to his creation generally, but specifically to Eve and to Adam and each one of us. Um, so now the serpent was more crafting the the beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And so it's very clear at the beginning we have this question. And you know, when we're sophomores in college, you know, so what about evil? Why was the serpent there? And you know, how come God did it that way? And you know, maybe He didn't mean to, and He's going to plan B. And all you know, the Bible is really forceful in its silence in some ways. It just sort of says, nope. I mean, the serpent is there because God made him. As one of the beasts of the field, um, almost incidentally, it adds, that the serpent was there and more shrewd and more crafty, more beguiling and cunning than anything else that God had made. So he's a created being. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And then he, the serpent, said to the woman, did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. A couple things here in Eve's, um, in some ways, very understandable word. Uh, If you go back and you look in Genesis 2, what did God say? God said, don't eat the tree, uh, don't eat the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. He did not say, don't eat or touch it, so eat added to the word, and he did not leave it sort of open and ambiguous. Um, he said, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. 100% unequivocal, uh, it's n- not not any ambiguity there. You will surely die. The penalty for disobedience, the penalty for sin, is the wage for sin, as Paul would say in Romans 6, is death. You will surely die, not you might die. And Eve softens it just a hair. Um, I don't do Hebrew, but I'm told that it's pregnant in that word. I'm using that word a lot. It's buried in that word, um, lest you die. There's a softening that the possibility of death, even the likelihood of death comes if we eat or touch it. So she adds to the word, but then she softens the word. What word? This word without, this word that if it's not there, there is death and darkness. And now Eve starts to mess with that word and starts to add to it by saying, not just eat it, but also touch it or soften it. Not surely die, but probably die. Maybe die. Lest we die. The serpent's got her. Um, Who actually? um, It's interesting that the word of God is older than the lie. But here comes the lie, capital L. This is where really everything happens. She eats the apple, and then the her eyes are open. And well, she eats the apple. She hands it to, she she hands the apple, so to speak, the fruit to Adam, who's right there. He didn't need to be tricked. He didn't need to be beguiled. She just said here, and he said okay, and he took it. No. No elaboration. At least Eve has about six verses. of. Like, it took her a little while to um, to sort of get on board with the serpent. But this is where the lie happens. Is right here in verse 3. But God said, you shall not eat of the... Tr-, I'm sorry, 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So he actually gets it right. He He says what God said. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and if the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So how did they make? They make with something that's already there. They don't create, they make. And what do they make? They make something very imperfect. They take an unfeeling plant, um, a non-sentient being. In other words, no blood, because that's going to be hugely important. Um, and they, uh, uh, after they eat and their eyes are open and shame enters the world, they they cover themselves with with a, a fig leaf or something else like that. They created, they made, excuse me, let's keep the language really clear. They made... Loin and now in what some might say is the first gracious act. Um, God walks in the cool of the garden. And of course, God knowing all things, the pursuit begins. If the Bible is one one way of describing it, I think it's a good way. Um, if one way of thinking of the whole of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is God's pursuit of sinning people, of people who are broken and estranged, who make up ridiculous excuses who blame shift the woman that you gave me she ate um what was the serpent you made him he made me do it people like us in other words people like me um if the story of the scripture is god's coming down and doing what is need, doing what needs to be done in order to bring me back to him here it begins because they ate they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths and what does god do And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. In other words, they went back into darkness. Their face was lowered back into formless and void, trying to remove themselves from this word, this word of life and grace, back to death and darkness. But God would say no, as he's going to say to Cain in a few minutes. He says, not yet yet. No, uh, by no means. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? As if he doesn't know. But the pursuit begins. And then skipping down, see if you have any comments, and then we'll go to Cain and Abel. Um, 3.21. Um, I've said this several times, but it's worth saying almost any time I get up here. And then for the um, folly of Adam and Eve to take leaves and trying to cover themselves... Now the Lord God uh, comes and made for Adam. He doesn't create. He makes. It's going to be a really... It's a word that really evokes a lot of sorrow for me, because I'll tell you why in just a minute. And now the Lord God made, didn't create. Now he made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now what does that mean? That the Lord God made, didn't create, but made for them garments of skin. It means, to personify God a little bit, that means he had to come down as he's walking in the garden and he sees Adam and Eve, the pinnacle of their creation. All of the creation was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, morning and evening, the first day, the second day, the third day, then even Adam, and it was very good. And then God rested. The pinnacle of his creation. And now he sees them ashamed and naked and broken, trying to lower their face, to return to the darkness and to the void. And the Lord God doesn't create for them in the spoken word like, now, give them clothes. He makes it. And what does He make it out of? He makes it out of skins. So what does that mean He has to do? He took an animal and He killed it. He shed blood. And He covered even Adam. That's pathos. A lot of passion there. There's suffering. The animal had to suffer passively positioned just like we're going to look at next week with Isaac and and, uh, and Abram. He said, I'll take my throat and you, Lord God, can take my life, shed my blood, so that I can, I can give you, as it were, my skin, so you can cover the nakedness of the pinnacle of your creation. And the Lord God got his hands dirty. He got his blood on his hands. He didn't create. He made. Why? So that Adam and Eve, so that you and I, would not be left alone. And you're going to hear an echo, obviously, of the cross here. We start talking about blood and the Lord God um, yielding life, taking and, then, and yielding at the same time. So let me just stop um, trying to really just sound out a few themes. So that we can now get into Cain and Abel. This is going to be the punch of the story. But 3:21. Whew, man, is is about to go a single verse that makes my heart just sort of ache a little bit. It'd be right up there. Comments or thoughts? Questions? Bill, you used yeah. The word pathos. Pathos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope so. If you can do it um, better than me. Um, Pathos, pathos, sometimes called, um, word pathetic comes in there, has the word, the same word passion, uh, passio, which means both to suffer, as in suffer the little children, the passivity, as in allow, not the opposite of activity, but then also evoking at the same time a certain sense of, of ache, of pain, of a sense of, of, Things not being the way they're supposed to be, the opposite of shalom, whereas the sense of all things and all manner of things are well. The pathos, not just pain. It's not just like oh, I've been pricked. That's um, part of it, but it's that deeper part of um, of a uh, of an ache, of a a uh, a wholeheartedness, as in a hole in my heart. Um, uh, there's that sense of incompleteness. So thank you. Anybody else know that word? You want to unwrap it a little bit? Yep. I list. Yep. do think understood about death Ooh, Good in, question. I um, hadn't thought of it in that exact stream before. I'm going to stab and think it has to do with this darkness that the earth was formless and void because we could put this in the Cain language in just a minute, um, where death is that place that's outside the presence of God. And save that word, the creative word, which is going to become the justifying word, that's true. Without that word, that particular word that says, not so, or you are mine, or death is not the end, that death has its own death, then death is formless and void. Death is darkness. Death is um, done. And if you want to, you could even say if you have this eternal pathos, there's always the ache then in the darkness of a residue of what's was. There is such a thing as light. I didn't know that before, but now I do. And maybe they have that, I don't know, but maybe something like that. I'm gonna put it in that sense of Genesis one and two, that that was death. To Adam and Eve? That's a good question, though. I'll have to think a little more about that. Anybody else? Just thinking about Genesis 3. Yeah, Gary. Thinking about um, Renee Brown's excellent video on blame, You've got three minutes long. It's hmm. just excellent. And uh, when you watch it, it makes you realize how we all tend to do oh, that yeah. and how we've seen people blame, ridiculous situations or you know, just the, the ability to blame somebody else is incredible. And I'm just thinking about if our adequacy is from what we have done, we have to blame and cover ourselves. Not, right, we have to blame. It is our we MO. Have to yeah. Get yeah. And I, I wouldn't disagree at all. And I would say, yep, have to. It's in our constitution, in other words. Some people call this original sin. Um, Ed, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Medicine, we use the word pathology. Pathology, that's right. Every, everything that is not well is path. That's good. I'm going to use the word sociopath. <laughs> I actually have that in my notes. I don't have any notes this morning. But that's one of them. Because I'm going to say Cain is the first sociopath. And in a real sense of that word, socio, as in social and and uh, uh, and, and one who is defined within relationships... Because what does he do? The first created man kills his brother. Sociopathology, that which is not well, the germ, the seed of the have to, very present in all of us. We sons of Cain, we sons of Adam. Um, so that's really, that's a good it's a good bridge. Have to, I um, mean, it is original to us. It is in our DNA, if you will. It is a pathogen which is now a part of of our very constitution. So, which also impregnates (laughs) that word, that specific word of creation, that without that word, the world is death and darkness. Um, Because without that word, this pathogen, this pathos, is. It simply is. But with this word, the world has the hope of being recreated. And that's going to be, the course of course, the Christ event that comes. So let's look at Cain and Abel. Um, why don't we do this? I'm going to read the story real fast. This is chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. We're going to look at a few um, of the uh, pieces of art. Um, Fernand Corman, um, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, uh, from 1880, and James Tissot wrote a great one, and um, uh, Rubens, and then William Blake. Um, uh, but let's let's read the story, just kind of have it in our brain, and then we'll look at some pictures, and then kind of look at what, what the what's our home base here. Does that make sense? So Cain and Abel, um, remarkable. You know, just a throwaway line. Cain and Abel, in some ways, is my response. Is is everything getting worse? And I was like, well, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, you know, Craig Smalley has a great phrase. You know, the good old days weren't. <laughs> he just sort of <laughs> says it like that. This is the first family, and it didn't turn out so good. I mean, it's hard to find the true good old days. We, we tend to, to, uh, to not see things the way they actually are. And the Bible likes to say, eh, let's remember this. So now Adam, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. So he was first. Saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. There's a little bit of a word play on his name there, but we'll go into that. I've gotten or begotten a man with the help of the lord and again she bore his brother abel now abel was a keeper of the sheep and cain a worker of the ground the ground the adamah which is where we get the word adam adam means earth or ground and so cain being the firstborn is very adamic that's going to be important because he's going to have a strong sense of his father Um, that he's a worker of the ground as the Adam of the Adamah, um, and so in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So remember the echo Genesis one um, that darkness was over the face of the deep. Now Adam's, now Cain's face. Fell, and the, there's actually the strong sense, it's sort of a great intended, that it, his face went into darkness. You might say. Um, and the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, you well, will you not be accepted? And that word actually is, will you not, will your face not be lifted up? You can see that in the note. Um, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, and Abel killed him. Uh, I'm sorry, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Not unlike, Where are you? Now he comes down again, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? sarcasm doesn't work well with god (laughs) and the lord said what have you done the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground from the adamah and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand so now the curse of his father is being wrought in real time to cain cain the, the worker of the ground adam received the curse now, from the ground you will sweat and toil, but it will be thorns and thistles, and it will not yield what you desire. So, that word is also all those words are present here. There's a real tightness in terms of the literary functions here. So, now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And here's a word that the Lord has for that. And the Lord said to him, Not so. We're going to look at that in just a minute. That's a gracious word. That's actually the same word, which now wasn't just the creative word, But in New Testament language, we'd call that the justifying word. Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain. We don't know what this is, but it's not unlike, say, baptism. Marked as Christ's stone. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. It's a little bit like the death. Um, And settled in the land of Nod, which means wandering, east of Eden further east and Cain knew his wife she conceived and bore Enoch and when he built a city he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch which I think means dedication or dedicated so broad strokes um there's Cain the first son there's Abel the second Cain is a tiller of the ground Abel a keeper of the sheep something like a shepherd um each of them bring an offering to God. Um, we don't know the details of this, but uh, you can even see it here in our translations that Cain just brought an offering. Um, Abel, with some elaboration, brought the first fruits and the fat portions. The fat portions were were the choice. You know, it's different now for us. We like to cut that and go away. That's where. Fat was was valuable back then. They just just didn't have it to eat. Meat was a uh, uh, well, they didn't eat meat at this point. Fat was a very valuable part, um, and so the choicest parts we think um, are what Cain uh, did not bring, and what Abel did. And so the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but not for Cain's. Cain became jealous, got angry whole sin crouching at the door, um, not unlike Peter's word of uh, uh, be, be, be careful, keep watch, for Satan um, is always there seeking someone to devour. Um, they go through, the murder happens. Um, Am I my brother's keeper? Um, and then the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me. The blood has a voice and the Lord has ears for blood. Um, And then he goes away. Uh, Cain, not unlike his mom, Eve, adds a little bit and tries to even play God by saying, then then this punishment is too great for me. I'm going to lower my faith and I'm going back to death. And the Lord says, not so. You are not your own master, even of your own life. And I am not going to allow that. Through you, I will preserve. Even though you killed your brother, yet shall through you uh, come marriage and children and cities. It's a gracious act. He deserves death. He deserves going back to the place of formlessness and void, to the place of darkness, to the place outside of that word of God. And what does God do? He says, not so. And he says, through you, I'm actually going to take you, the first sociopath through the pathogen of death, that you killed your brother with a club, the club that you used to work the ground. You killed him. And through you, I'm going to give you a wife, and I'm going to give you children, and you're going to create cities. The first city recorded is out of the gracious act um, of the brother murderer, Cain. So... Here's a few places just to kind of look at this, and then we're going to bring this home. Um, there we go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Where is this place? Well, yeah. All of a sudden, there are people. Isn't that funny? Yep. I knew somebody was going to ask that. I had no idea. I mean, they're just there. Um, God's creation. Um, did he create somebody else after Adam and Eve? You know, we just know that already in Genesis 4, uh, there are people to populate the earth and, and Cain goes back and um and there are others around um but we're not given any other details on that so it's good question very perceptive this is um 1880 I think Francis Corma I've shown this before because I think it's very it's got a lot of pathos um this is uh, obviously um, Cain wandering to the land of Nod, which means the, the place of wandering, and now outside of the presence of God. Um, they don't see the the graciousness of the not so. I don't think that's not something that Cormon would necessarily agree with, or he's not, at least he's not putting it into his his picture here. But the part that I would want to sort of really emphasize here is this: the tool that that um, that is on his side. Uh, interesting. As I sat here and looked at this picture a few times this week, um, as I've known this picture now for several years. I never thought about that tool and why the artist put that there. It well could be the, uh, the memento, so to speak, of Cain's sin. That could be the, um, the instrument of death. Don't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that in fact was the artist's intent. And it's right there at his right hand. Sin crouching at the door, always there, and yet at the same time My sin is ever before me against you and you only, Lord. Have I sinned? Um, This is an unmediated relationship between Lot and the Lord God. Um, We need a mediator is where this is coming up. Um, Because right now he is just giving to wander. So stop me at any point because I'm going to move through these quickly. Second one. This is James Tissot. I don't know anything about art. I just think it's great to kind of look at and, and move. And I'm sitting here watching this a little bit. Hit that not again. Cain, um, uh, obviously. I think he's pulling on the whole emphasis of. Um, <laughs> did you just break it? Yeah. That's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know anything around here, so it's just not working. So, oh well, we'll figure that out. The darkness of Cain's face. Um, a little bit like Esau and Jacob here. We're you know, ruddy and, and, and clean versus, uh, what's it called? Um, uh the very hairy Esau. There's a little bit of that going on where the darkness of, of Cain's face um, closing back you know, away from that word. Uh, I see again the tool. It's going to be the instrument of death. Um, and then look at the way he's grabbed uh, Abel's wrist. They're not hand in hand. There's, they're not going willingly. Um, Abel knows something's up. This, it makes it really sad. This is going to be a brother killer. and He's going to do the deed. Uh, James Tussauds, um, um, This is Adam and Eve mourning the death of their son, Abel. Um, the artist, I can't remember who, wrote the, who did this one, a French artist, and I don't remember his name. He had just lost a son. And so from his own sense of pathos and loss, uh, he was driven to make art, not create, uh, and painted this. Imagine, Adam and Eve, um, your first son, the first son ever, kills the second son, and here's death. How did they approach death? Well, there's an artist sense of just the, uh, the contrast between the, the, the life which is in Adam um, with his dark complexion. This is a... Uh, even with the clouds behind, the ominousness of it, um, whereas the word of God sort of keeps the darkness at bay, that in him we live and move and have our being. And uh, and with your word you uphold the heavens, and without that word is as if the heavens themselves would, would collapse on them. And then over their lap is uh, is the dead Abel. It's very sad. Um, and, and don't yeah. you think there has to be some sense of we have... That we have this up. Absolutely. This is, um, <laughs> there I am. <laughs> there I am. I don't have a stone in my hand. Um, a Rubens, uh, where the uh, uh, sense of a sacrifice right behind, I think that's the fire. Um, uh, but there's Cain with the, the, the club raised above him, um, holding his brother's neck. Uh, and about to bring it down right at the moment of the, uh, of the assault. And then the last one, we'll leave it with this one. A, uh, what's his name? William Blake. Um, this is uh, Adam and Eve just discovering the body. This is William Blake making the really interesting interpretation. Adam was trying to cover up his sin. He dug the grave to bury his brother. And then Adam and Eve discovered before he was able to put um, Abel into the ground. Uh, Cain being a tiller of the ground, Adamah, um, then Adam comes. What have you done? Son, what have you done to your brother? And then he runs, as now this sense of force of being driven further east of Eden, um, a little bit of a, uh, of a sense, and I know something of William Blake, he might have meant this. Uh, I mean, look at, look at Cain though, almost, the. Uh, Nuvian man, is that what it's called, Da Vinci, where it's the perfect man? I mean, he's kind of got that sense. I mean, he's, he's just beautiful, he's stacked, I mean, he's, he's got a you know, nine pack going on, all those things. The perfect body, and yet he's running from the presence, outside the presence of God, because he just killed his brother. Simul justus efficator. I Amidst mean, the, uh, uh, the perfect body comes the most imperfect act becomes the most destructive act, the pathogen of it all. So, let's bring this home, kind of a little sermon here. What does this bring us? Um, Cain, as I've tried to emphasize a little bit, a lot like his father, Adam. There's even that strong sense of he worked the ground, the Adamah. And so, as the Bible once called, as Paul will describe, the first Adam and the second Adam, Cain is very much like the first Adam. Uh, the one who works the ground, but then his brother Abel, the tender of the sheep. Well, there was another who was also the brother of that first Adam, that being us. We're the Adams, uh, and in Christ, our brother, through the one father, our adopted brother, uh, the tender of the sheep, the good shepherd. He also knew a brother killer. You're looking at him and each one of you. Um, Where now Adam and I mean Cain and Abel is a story of us, of course. Where Cain, being the type for all of us, who killed his brother, Christ, um, the one who was given to tend the sheep, uh, the curse of toil and sweat and recidivism and, and, and thorns and thistles, is alive and well in Cain and his father Adam and in each one of us um, where if that's not enough we try to shift the blame and play the victim and say it wasn't my fault you, you, you didn't accept my offering um, it was enough how come it wasn't You know, we start to now bargain with God and it all falls into uh, deaf ears until the Lord says not so until that word without it it is all death and darkness but with it Uh, the lord as if he speaks you shall be mine through you i will give not what you deserve but the exact opposite and through you i choose to multiply the relationships and my grace Um, i give you a wife i give you children i give you friendships i give you cities i give you churches grace upon grace upon grace. And then there's a sense of the blood. We'll stop here. Um, Hebrews has a great word here, that the blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of Abel because the blood of Abel cries out from the ground and one being has ears to hear the cry of blood. And it's God alone. And the blood of Abel cries out from the ground And it says, you need to curse somebody. And that curse fell upon Cain. You shall now be a wanderer. And then the blood of Christ falls upon the ground. And it cries out. And the Father hears the blood. You need to curse somebody. And as if the Lord says, I already did. And now the curse that was meant for the killer has now been passed to me. And all that is mine, I now give to them. Not so, says the Lord. Go forth in this gracious word. This word without it is formless and void and death and darkness, but with it is sweet life, gracious life, a recreated life, life as it was intended to be, the beginning, and it will be at the end. That word which upholds all things. It is the word of hope. So with that, just some soundings in Cain and Abel. Um, With that word of the blood crying out. But the blood of Christ is not like the blood of Abel. Thanks be to God. Any questions or thoughts? Got a minute or two, maybe. That's the word I'm going to remember. It's Hebrews 12:24? Um, the blood of Christ is not like the blood of Abel. That is a good thing. Let's pray. Lord, speak. Um, your word to us your gracious word the word that we have um, no deserts for um, but in fact uh, as we would as the punishment um, we, we, there's not a punishment that's too great for us and yet you would withhold that and give us its opposite um, speak to us Lord and let that word remake us um, uh, help us to remember our parents Adam and Eve and Cain um, Without any hubris, Lord, we know where we come from. Um, Let us with wonder, awe, love, and praise now go forth into the world um, doing that which you've given us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.